Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Anya, and this is our fourth episode of Friday Lives. This is our casual chat with content creators from different backgrounds about everything live streaming. My guest today is Sean Senlohan. He is leading influencer relations at Gameloft. Gameloft is a publishing company. They are famous for games such as Asphalt 9, Disney Magic Kingdoms, Gangster Series, and many other games. This show is powered by Restream Studio. Hi, Sean, and welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello, good intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's always it's always uh, the reason why I do the shows with guests because it's so much easier for me to have an ongoing conversation than to run and drive things solo. So yeah. I really appreciate you being here. I'm so glad. Well, you're thank happy. you, thank Enjoy. you for having me. I'm excited. I'm exciting to. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, and I'm excited to to explain a little bit more of what I do here at Game Off. So thanks awesome. for having me. Awesome. I just put the caption of Gameloft uh, website just in case you guys want to check out the games. Uh, they're yep. publishing so many different titles. Most of their games are mobile, but of course they have PC titles as well. We are going to cover those things today with Sean and pretty yep. much going to talk about everything related to influencer um, relations to gaming influencers and streamers and mobile streaming as well as many, many other things. So please yeah. stay tuned. Uh, we typically take questions from the community in the middle of the stream. So about 30 minutes from now, I will start taking your questions and comments. So please stick around for that and um, <laughs> submit your questions. Uh, Sean and I will be happy to answer. So let's just start with your quick intro. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do at Gameloft. And uh, yeah, just, just introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, so my name is Sean Saint-Laurent, so you pronounce it pretty well. Uh, <laughs> good job on that. I do. I am an influencer market manager here at Gameloft. I've been doing influencer work for the uh, past two and a half years. Prior to that, I was a game community manager as well. So I've dabbled with social media management. I've dabbled with community management. And now I, I work closely with everything regarding influencers at, at Gameloft. So influencer relations, ambassador programs with, with organic content creators, as well as paid sponsorships, activations, uh, and stuff like that. So uh, it's a really cool job. I really like working with creators because they're sort of an all-in-one package when it comes to pushing out content and and the enter entertainment industry. So it's really fun working with a bunch of these guys and seeing how, how they, they approach content creation and stuff. Awesome, awesome. I, I agree, me too. I work with influencers quite a bit on restream side of things. And yeah, this is fascinating and so inspiring seeing people uh, being creative in so many different ways. So yeah, I totally hear you on that one. I yeah, I really like the the journey, right? I like seeing them go from from super small and and working their way up and being consistent and 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 getting those those sponsored deals at the end. It's really cool to to see the growth aspect of of creators. That's uh, I think that's the thing that that I'm most proud of working with ambassador programs and stuff is uh, is is just seeing that growth and seeing these guys or these 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 girls creating this content and and becoming uh, big popular stars in their own domain. So yeah, it's really cool. Awesome. So let's talk about your journey a little bit. How did your career start? It. How did you end up at Gameloft? What uh, what yeah, brought so you into that world? I worked. I worked in the fashion industry prior to Gameloft. 
but I did play, I've always been a big, big gamer. So I play PC games. I used to play competitive Call of Duty. I played professional Call of Duty when the game was played on PC. So that's a while ago. That's back when streaming was on X-Fire. It's, it's really a long time ago, before the Justin TV days, before the Twitch days, before, before all of those live stream platforms. So I was always a big gamer, uh, played competitive FPS games, played World of Warcraft for the past uh, 15 years. So working in the fashion industry was was really cool. But when I got the opportunity to, to, to start working in the gaming industry, I was like, okay, let's combine this this passion I have for video games. And let's let's see what it can let's see what I can do in the industry. And, and I think it worked out so far. So it's been it's been a cool past four years. And I'm really, really excited to still be working in the, in the industry, especially in uh, in times like these where gaming is probably at the most popular it's ever been. Right. So, yeah, it's really, really fun. Yeah, absolutely. So how would you describe your personal live streaming experience kind of before and after Game Loft? How much have you done? How much have you streamed yourself? Yeah, so I've I've streamed. So I actually tried streaming on Twitch back when the first Titanfall game came out. I gave it a go and I tried streaming a little bit. And uh, I don't remember why I stopped, but uh, regardless, it was pretty fun. And then I've had a lot of experience doing sh live streams with creators. And I have a lot of experience doing live streams with, with game teams as well. So one of the tasks for community managers at Gameloft is if live streaming is in their strategy to to be part of these live streams, right? To host these live streams, to talk to their community, to engage with the community, to give them status updates on the games, to showcase what's upcoming in new updates, to get that feedback from the community and to be present, right? A community manager uh, is someone who needs to be present amongst their community and needs to to be the uh, the first respondent, if you want, and the face of the game. So that's that's pretty much where I got all my live streaming experience from is from these the, these dev streams and these creator streams that we've done with with multiple games at Gameloft. It's always fun, right? It's a, it's a cool way to engage. It can be stressful at times. We talked a little bit about it off air, but sometimes things go wrong and you can't control it, which uh, I, I feel makes uh, makes it a lot more fun and more uh, unique. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we will talk more about that, about when yeah. things go wrong from both sides of things. When you're streaming and how to deal with that as well as when you are an influencer manager and things go wrong. So how do you yeah. react and remedy that? So definitely yeah. that's all coming up. So you mentioned about, you mentioned live streaming being part of marketing strategy. How does it look like today uh, in terms of game loss marketing strategy? What is the role of live streaming in how you guys do things today? So a couple of, uh, of years ago, we actually had live streaming part of Gameloft's global strategy, right? So the way uh, marketing works at Gameloft is uh, Gameloft as a brand has one marketing strategy, but then uh, every single game can also have... Uh, social media strategy based on uh, market market studies they'll be doing prior to the game launch, based on competitor analysis, what others are doing, are others present on live stream websites? Does this game work? Does this game have a potential audience on on, on live streaming websites as well? So all of the marketing strategy 
for live streaming is basically dependent on every game and they'll they'll basically like i said do a market study and they'll they'll look into all all of what the competitors are doing because sometimes they'll see competitors are live streaming they'll want to dive into it but sometimes competitors aren't live streaming and they'll still want to dive into it to try to secure that market share right of 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 the of live streaming and capture that audience that sometimes wants to know a little bit more about this specific game so it really depends which game it really changes as well, depending on every game. But yeah, Gameloft as a whole right now hasn't streamed in a while, but there are some of our games that do have streams on a regular basis to interact with with their community. What are those games? Just to give an example for the community. I know I know Disney Magic Kingdom streams, Overdrive City as well will be streaming, Asphalt 9 streams as well a, a lot. We have a lot of competitions with ESL, with Asphalt 9. So there's a lot of live streams there. ESL Open uh, broadcast all the competitions for, for, for Asphalt. So there's a lot of live streaming there. Dungeon Hunter Champions did live streams as well. So it, it really depends on, 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 on the community manager as well as the game team and as well as the social stream strategy for the game but most most of them uh, are streaming there's a small i guess some some of the teams that were streaming while they were in the studios maybe took a break as well with the with with the covid situation at the moment sometimes resources aren't the same when you're at home right so you got to adapt with what's going on in the world but most of our games will uh, broadcast either pre-recorded streams or they do live streams to, to talk to their communities Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's all great stuff. So let's talk a little bit about the differences between working with organic content creators versus paid influencers. I know you guys at Gameloft kind of separate those two. Most gaming companies and game publishers do that. Most brands do that as well. How would you, how would you describe the differences? Or what, what is the best strategy for working with one group versus the other? Yeah, so maybe I'll start off with with how we do things. So usually, uh, depending on the game, there'll be ambassador programs and creator programs. We try to emphasize as much as possible organic content creators, and we want to try to help them grow as much as possible because having them grow with your game gives them a really good brand sentiment. They're very attached to the product if you help them grow. Uh, it's a win-win situation for both parties because you're helping these channels grow their audience a lot more by giving them exposure in your game, uh, whether it be inside your game or whether it be on your own social social channels. And at the same time, they're giving you a lot of visibility through organic content creation and feeding, feeding content on, on their channels as well. So we try to do both, right? We try to get a good mix of ambassador programs, creator programs, and also do these sponsored deals with these, these bigger creators. So when we do sponsored deals, either we try to do recurring deals on a, a, a long-term basis because we kind of want to build up community with some of these creators and tap into their audiences a lot. Uh, we try to avoid one-off deals as well because uh, we want to build relationships with these creators. It's it's cliche in, in, in the industry to say that, but it's really true, right? Get, having these one-off deals doesn't necessarily feel super authentic when you do them. So having creators partnered up with you for for longer term uh deals is is always is always good for us so yeah i mean some of the strategies we've done in the past is 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 combine the two together as well right so we've done and we can we can talk about this later i know i've i saw a couple of your questions but we try to incorporate the paid aspect with the organic aspect and get these paid creators to work with these organic creators to build their their communities as well so they kind of play off of each other and that's something we've noticed that works really well is 
creators are well they're they're very they're they're creative but they they tend to build off of each other and motivate each other to do a bunch of stuff so having the two intertwine and work together is 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 really good as well so i mean the biggest difference is that right we we try to build these creators up as much as possible because one we want them to grow we want them to to continue producing content for our games but also sometimes we need that extra push with a bigger audience already and that's where paid deals come into play um yeah Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think this is very relevant to not only gaming community, it's very relevant to any brand. I think it's very common mistake when you are just starting with your brand, with your product to start looking for the biggest guy ever, pay them the most amount of money that that you can possibly afford and then expect some magic results when actually a lot of times when you're just supporting the community that already likes and enjoys your product and let them grow within your ecosystem and then you start supporting them little by little. Uh, And that's definitely something we do at Restream quite a bit. We find people who are using Restream. uh, We see if they have traction and if they have a good audience, then we say, hey, well, how about we support your live uh, show? How if what about we support your podcast? What about we support you a series of tutorial videos about how to use Restream? So that makes perfect sense. And I think that's so yeah. relevant to um, everybody. I have, a, I have a, uh, a good story about that. So one of the content mm-hmm. creators, I'll, I'll shout him out as well. It will give him a little bit of exposure, but he was called yes, Gaming Grizzly. And and he he started, so he had a, we, we released a, a game two years ago called Gangstar New Orleans. He wanted to create content for the game. He had about 200 subscribers on YouTube. So very, very small, 200 subscribers. And what we did is we provided him with 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 assets. We provided him with some in-game, uh, in-game items. Some Sometimes that doesn't work, uh, and we can talk about that later. But we provide him with everything we could for him to create continuous content. We also had him live stream on our social channels. So he would take over our channels with our mm-hmm. audience so that he could get that exposure. Uh, I think the page had a roughly around 200,000 followers on Instagram, uh, on, on Facebook, and he would live stream directly on our f- Facebook page and he would shout out his channel. So that would help him grow and that, that created content for us as well. And two years later, I think right now he has about a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube, so it was. It's really fun to see that progress and that he stayed consistent. He doesn't play that game anymore, but I know I've talked to him in the past, and and he was super happy with the with the amount of support we provided him. So I think that's that's the fun aspect of working with organic content creators is seeing seeing that growth and and seeing and, and supporting these these people in their in their content creation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think it's it's extremely satisfying for you as a brand when you see how you build those people from 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 their beginning phase to the established content creator, and you see yeah. how you kind of help each other because some of those people are so talented and they create content that in house we would have never been able to to create. Exactly. Think about Raystream, and I'm sure that's true for you guys. Even though you have a lot of talented people, but still, sometimes you just come up with you meet some creators and you meet their work, and you're like, wow, this is just different. This is so new and so great. So yeah, I definitely I get a lot of hype from that myself whenever I, I work yeah, with creators. And- that that's the thing with working with influencers as well, right? Is that they're they're actors, they're creative directors, they're editors, they're they're yeah. I mean, they're the, a whole 
a, a big package. So sometimes I know the older generation doesn't necessarily understand working with, with influencers because pricing is all over the place, depending on who you work with. And CPMs tend to be uh, higher, costs tend to be higher than traditional user acquisition. But you have to understand that these people are are really an all-in-one package. When you're when we're when you're making a feature film, you're 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 hiring actors, you're hiring editors, animation directors, creative directors. I mean, it's it's really cool to see what these people are able to do by themselves, right? Some of the bigger creators have editors. They have teams that brainstorm ideas for them, but but most of them do it all alone, right? So that's that's pretty fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of this, uh, can you share uh, your favorite influencer campaign that you ran recently? Something that is really moving and inspiring for you? Yeah, I think I think the I think the my favorite one's probably the one I'm working on at the moment. So I, I can't really disclose the the information about that, but you guys will be seeing it. It's for one of our new games, Lego Legacy Heroes Unboxed. It's a turn-based RPG, really cool with the Lego IP, uh, really fun, quirky. It plays a lot on us on the nostalgic factor of, of Lego. It's really fun. But one of the campaigns that we did, so working long term, like I said, with creators, we flew in uh, a nano influencer that was creating content for one of our games so she had she had under a thousand subscribers at the time we flew her in to do voiceover for a brand new character uh, in one of our games so she basically had her own character in in our in one of our one of our uh, games so I think that's that's one of our my favorite ones is giving the opportunity to some of these smaller creators to do things they'd never imagined to do, right? We also brought during the same campaign, but a little bit while, uh, a little while later, we brought some of these smaller creators to an activation that we did in in Japan. So we flew some of these creators and, and we gave them the opportunity to to showcase this this press trip, if you want, where they where they they visited Japan and they visited the SNK Studios, which which are the creators of uh, the King of King of Glory uh, King of Fighters franchise. So that was pretty cool. One that I didn't work on, but one one that uh, that we did as well was we brought a bunch of creators to the Lamborghini headquarters in Italy. They were able to drive Lamborghinis in, in the Italian countryside. We brought a couple of fans there as well. I think those are my favorite ones to work on. One, you get to travel to a bunch of places, which is which right. is always cool. But it's also giving them the opportunity to do stuff where they wouldn't normally be able to do them. Right. So. It's not every day that you get a chance to go to Lamborghini headquarters and to visit the, the the actual plant and to actually drive some of the Lamborghinis that were just created there in the Italian countryside. So those were probably the, the the most remarkable ones. Like I said, I didn't work on the Lamborghini one, but I did work on the other one with with the Jap- Japan trip and stuff, which was really cool. But the one we're doing right now for Lego Legacy is is going to be is going to be really awesome as well. And I don't want to spoil too much, so you'll be able to see it in the coming. Uh, weeks. Yeah. That is so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's great when you can bring value to the company, to the product, to the game you're working on, and also see how this is changing the life of those people who you're introducing as influencers. So yeah, that's, that's super inspiring. Thanks for sharing. That's great. So now let's talk about the other side of things. So especially for Gameloft, you guys have licensing with Disney, Universal Pictures, you know, big names. So for you, when things go wrong, this is kind of serious, right? And when, when we talk about things go wrong with influencers, there's so many different aspects, uh, from the 
similar, just simple things such as the influencers didn't deliver, they didn't do the job that you expected, all the way to way scarier things when embargoes are getting broken, when people do not represent the brand the way you would like um, your creators to to represent it. So, what are how how would you deal with those situations? I guess, and if there's any example of a challenging situations that you could share, uh, I think that would be really interesting to hear as well. I think the the key word for this, and this was my key word working with communities as well, was transparency and honesty. Working with these with these creators, you want to try to to be as honest as possible, as transparent as possible, and put all 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 hands on the table, right, and let them know everything from the start. Uh, a little bit earlier, I can talk about a situation that went wrong with one of our creators. So one, I talked a little bit earlier about us providing in-game items for one of our games. There's some games where that is acceptable and that is doable, but there's other games where we we had done that and it gave a competitive edge to the creators, right? So we thought we were doing something good by providing these, 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 uh, these streamers with access to items that are harder to get but at the same time we were we were kind of messing the competitive in, in, integrity of the game because we were giving them an, an unfair advantage as well so that's one situation that happened uh with one of our creators uh, i remember it as if it was yesterday it was insane the backlash that happened and like i said one of the main things for us was to be very transparent with the creator as well as be transparent with the community that we had we had messed up basically we we were basically taking the blame for everything that happened and we were making things right so we had to re-roll the accounts when that happened we had to make sure the creators were aware uh, that we were doing that as well and that we had messed up one other thing that was very important to us was to talk with these creators. So uh, when this was happening, I was bypassing agencies and I was talking, I was having Skype meetings with these creators to see how they were feeling as well. It was our fault, but these creators were getting backlash as well. And mm -hmm. working, like I said, we wanna try to work long-term with, with, with these people and we, we, we try to build relationships as much as possible. So seeing them get backlash wasn't, wasn't what we wanted. So having one-on-one -on -one conversations with them and seeing how they were feeling, seeing if there was anything we could do to support them in any way was was, was something we we really focused on. So when things go wrong, I'd, I, I tend to say to just be as transparent as possible and just 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 tell it, tell it how it is, right? There's some mistakes that are maybe harder to, 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 to talk about, but I think they're very important. We haven't really had any issues with embargoes or deliveries and stuff. I think working with influencers, we try to give them as much creative freedom as possible. We try uh, to limit them as, le as less as possible to try to avoid having those issues where the content isn't really what we wanted. So we try to give them as much creative, creative freedom as possible to avoid any issues uh, we may have. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed that nothing else uh, bad happens with, uh, with, with campaigns, but that's how we handled one of these, one of these issues was making sure the community was okay, but also making sure these creators were okay as well, because they were the first ones getting backlash for a mistake that wasn't necessarily their fault. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Transparency as the answer. That's that's definitely 
That's great. So let's talk a little bit about ROIs and KPIs for influencers and influencer campaigns. <laughs> That's a favorite topic for everybody because like you mentioned, the prices are all over the map. The quality of work is all over the map. The difficulty of finding the right influencer is a huge challenge that anyone who ever works with influencers knows uh, very well. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. It's demanding. Yeah. It takes all of your resources to connect with those people and then you're hoping for the best. Uh, but then how do you measure that best? How do you, how do you set those goals in order to not get disappointed and to make sure that everyone has the same expectation, everyone is on the same page, right? Yeah. So how do you guys approach that? How do you approach the goals and then the metrics that you use to measure the results? Yeah, so all of our campaigns, all of our campaigns have different objectives. And that's one of the main things we need to to talk about before we talk about uh, the ROI of campaigns, right? You need to make sure you know why you're doing these campaigns. A lot of the time in the mobile space, what you're trying to get is conversions. You want to try to get as many new user, as many new users as possible. So when we're doing campaigns, if the main objective is conversions, that's the main ROI you're going to look into, right? You're going to try to see who has the best engagement, who has a very engaged following on more than one social platform, who has had experience doing these conversion campaigns, who can drive as many new users as possible. And then you're going you're gonna to measure the success based off of that. But sometimes I think companies try to put too many objectives for each of their campaigns. You want brand awareness, you want conversions, you want engagement, you want new social following on your on your own platforms. And I think that's that's one of the biggest mistakes companies do. We try to really separate these campaigns. So whether it be a brand awareness campaign, so if you're doing a brand awareness campaign, you can you can't think about the conversions. You you it, it, it's it's something that that is kind of added value, right? If you're doing brand awareness campaigns, you're trying to get as much impressions, as many views as possible for the lowest cost possible. You're trying to spread the word, right? When you're doing performance campaigns, you're trying to mid-max every single dollar to try to get your cost per install to be as low as possible, right? To try to to have um, that return on ad spend that you're spending on these creators. So we try to build campaigns based off of three different objectives. One is brand awareness, which is very easy to understand, to explain and to measure as well. You'd be measuring views, seeing how these videos perform based off of the performance of these creators normal views, right? If a video outperforms what they normally do, then you're probably very successful because you're paying them based off of what they're they're usually doing. We do performance campaigns, like I said, where we're trying to mid-max every single dollar we can. And those campaigns either happen on uh, short form content. So Instagram, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, stuff like that. And we also do community retention slash engagement campaigns where we basically measure based off of the amount of content that's being produced. So sometimes we'll partner up with creators to create, I don't know, 20 videos for us. And the reasoning behind that is we want to keep players engaged with the game, even when they're not playing the game, right? So we want that massive amount of content production being done by creators so that all of our players that aren't playing the game are going and seeing and looking into this content that make that makes them want to continue playing the game so so that's how we 
pretty much measure ROI of our campaigns, we first look into what the main objective is. What do we want to do? We want to spread the word. Do we want to drive downloads? Uh, it's easy to say that you want everything, right? But that's right. not really the way to go, I think. I think you really need to segment your your campaigns and, and define what the main objective is. And that varies based off of games. That varies based off of key moments in the games, if there's an update, if, if there's a new IP, that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, I guess I, I, I guess it's I, the, the most important part when we're looking into ROI is to really define the objective at first and not try to get everything at once is, is my, my main tip, I would say. Awesome. No, that, that, that makes perfect sense. I really like how you broke it down into three different things, because a lot of times... I can see how it's easy to get lost in this. I want it all. I want one person to drive conversions and awareness and also retention and everything in between. So yeah, yeah I think it's really smart to just make sure that different content has different objectives, different goals that you could set for your streamers and influencers <laughs> uh, will yeah. reach different outcomes. And, and that's okay. That one thing will deliver conversions and the other thing will deliver views and uh, brand awareness. And that's the yeah. idea that like you gotta, uh, you gotta be holistic, but at the same time, uh, you gotta focus on one thing at a time. So yeah, that's uh, that's great exactly. stuff. Thank you, thank you so much. So let hey, me welcome. let me reintroduce you real quick here for those who are just joining us, and then we will uh, t take some questions because there's quite yep. a bit piling <laughs> uh, <laughs> up here. My guest today is Jean Saint Laurent. He is uh, in charge of influencer relations at GameLoft. GameLoft is a game publisher. They're famous for Asphalt Nine and other Asphalt series, Disney Magic Kingdoms. Gangster series and many, many other games. They primarily publish mobile, but they also have PC titles. Uh, so you can definitely check them, check them out. I will include the link to their website, uh, to the comments after we're done with this stream. So what we're going to do right now is to take some questions and comments, um, because people are asking from, from all places. And we will actually start with this quick question that I think will be just helpful for everyone to understand. So Game Tech VR, uh, he had several questions for you. One yep. question was here, where is this being streamed? Just LinkedIn? Actually, no, this is being streamed to uh, multiple platforms. This is why it's powered by Restream. We allow you to multi-stream to uh, several destinations, up to 30 platforms actually at the same time. This specific stream is streamed to LinkedIn, to Facebook, to YouTube, and Twitter. And that's all restream channels as well as my personal LinkedIn profile. So uh, if you, I know that this question came because there's a question about potentially sharing this recording in the future. I will definitely let you know how you can do that with either YouTube stream, uh, stream link or with uh, the Facebook link. There's so many ways to do it. So please stay tuned. I will definitely get back to you on that. So here's a question for you, Sean. Does yes. GameLoft seek out creators or do you guys have cre a creator program? So you already shared some success stories, but do you want to kind of let people know like how they could apply or how they could, what, what criteria do you use to qualify people for your program? Just a little bit on that. Yeah, so that's that really depends per game. Every single game has a different ambassador. Well, not every single game has a creator program to start with. We try to, but not every single one has one. The the ones that do have creator programs, you can directly look in on the website. I think gameloft.com. We have programs for Lego Legacy Heroes Unboxed for Asphalt Nine. Those programs have different criterias. I know another one, Modern Combat has uh, Modern Combat 5 as a creator program as well. But basically, there's different thresholds that we try to have for the program. So let's say you have 
from zero to 500 subscribers, then you'd be in the first tier. And that first tier would allow you to get these rewards and they'd allow you to have these perks as a creator. And we try to make these thresholds and these, these different steps kind of easily uh, obtainable, but still a little challenging to keep these creators uh, wanting to create more content for the game and stuff. So we continuously seek out for paid sponsorships. We continuously seek out for organic content creation as well. I guess the main thing I would say is try to find a game that suits your 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 play style or your what you enjoy the most from our repertoire and then just create content from there and we'll 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 look into it for sure. I mean, we are our community managers are always looking for new creators for for their their content creator programs. But as, as an influencer marketing manager, I try to also look into smaller creators to see who I think has very big potential in 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 we're basically looking for new talents, right? We're almost talent scouts. You see that in sports a lot where you're looking at high school basketball players because you're potentially wanting to 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 see how they're going to evolve and how they're going to do and maybe bring them on to to college and then and then recruit them in the NBA right uh, it's the same thing for for content creators we know there's some content creators that have 100 subscribers but have the potential to be a multi-million subscriber content creators so so we do both we seek out talent we were always looking into new genres new new type of creators people who have different aesthetics different styles in their in their video editing and the way they produce content. And I think the the main thing we look into is consistency as well. So we try to find creators that are really consistent and that don't necessarily only create one video a month or something that really dish out content and, and are consistent with it. So, so yeah, so look into our website and see the content creator programs that are available there. And just, I guess the, the main thing is really finding a game that fits your, fits your liking and create content from there. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. This was from uh, the Game Looters from Twitter. Actually, thank you for the question. This is great because I, I really did want Sean to have this opportunity to share how exactly you can become part of his of his work and his activities. So I'm, I'm glad you guys asked that. That's that's awesome. Another question from Justin. He is asking from LinkedIn. I don't know if you can see the whole question, but I'll read it out loud for you. So the question is, do you see platforms like Twitch becoming more strict on ad campaigns as they, that they're not part of? So examples might include chatbots, overlays, watermarks through OBS and other stuff. So do you guys see that being a challenge and how do you guys deal with it? Yeah, I mean, so Twitch has uh, Twitch has their own proprietary ad campaign service, right? They have Bounty Board. To be honest, I think it, it it would be a bad idea for them to restrict that, and simply because if they start restricting ad campaigns, creators are just going to go. There's so many options right now with with YouTube Gaming blowing up, Facebook Gaming being super popular uh, in Southeast Asia transitioning here with Mixer, getting a share of the market. It's really, I, I don't see them applying restrictions. I think it'd be, it would be really bad for them. Potentially maybe with chatbots and, and physical links and stuff, maybe they would do that in the future. But realistically, I think that would just be themselves kind of shooting themselves in the foot, right? The more creators are doing these deals, I think I just see it being added value for the platforms. So yeah, I mean, yeah. realistically, I, I wouldn't see that happening. I understand the 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 point of view, and and potentially we'll have some we'll have some surprises. But I think of of TikTok right now, who's kind of going the opposite way, right? They're uh, slowly introducing uh, clickable 
links for certain items or shoppable links in their in their feed so they're kind of doing the opposite they want you to advertise and they want you to give these guys deals so it'll be interesting to see what twitch does being that it's uh it's it's ran by amazon but um no i don't uh, honestly unless they give creators other solutions to monetize their content outside of the bounty board experience i think that i think creators are just gonna they're just gonna continue uh, doing deals yeah, yeah. And I, I can uh, also see how there is a lot of value in influencers who can go across platforms, who can multi-stream to a lot of destinations. Because while Twitch is obviously very big and it has a lot of audience and it yeah. has a lot of, it has a good concentration of people who consume gaming content on the regular basis, but this is not all of it. And for no. you as an advertiser, for you, someone who is looking for influencers who can bring you the most value possible, it is definitely much more interesting to have the ability to work with them kind of on your terms and also on the terms that benefit creators, not necessarily yep. the platform. Because the platform is the list of your interests, right? It's you you and your company and then the creator who you're building a relationship with. Yeah, and so. I mean there's there there's there's things we we try to do as well, right? So let's say Twitch um so when we work with influencers, we try to find people, and it's it's funny to say, I, I, I hate using the word influencer. It's really creators, right? These guys are yeah. creators. Right. But when we're looking for creators, we're looking for people with the most influence. And that's where the term comes from, right? An influencer is someone who has a certain amount of influence amongst a certain group of people. The, the best example I give when, when I talk about influencers in general is, uh, Anya, you've probably influenced some of your friends to go to certain restaurants, right? Like you've you've probably went to this restaurant, had amazing service, and then you talked to them about it, and that's yeah. word of mouth marketing. And I think influencer marketing is directly that. It's 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 one person being able to get the word out on something they really like to a mass amount of people. But it's the same thing. I think every single person has an amount of influence amongst a certain group of, of, of people. When we work with influencers, we try to find someone who has a lot of influence. And that influence doesn't necessarily mean a bigger audience. We're, we try to get people who have followings, who follow them across different platforms. And this is coming back to this this question by Justin. If we if we're looking for these people who have a massive amount of influence on a bunch of platforms, if we see Twitch doing that, we're just going to try to have them do campaigns on one of their other platforms, right? So, uh, so that's that's why I don't see Twitch blocking or or restricting ad content. Yeah, At least it, not in the near future. Agreed, agreed. Another interesting question from the media jack here from YouTube. Uh, so it's kind of a little, a little bit more of a difficult question, but I'm curious. How often do you get people and influencers approaching you with vigor about your games? And what is the right or wrong approach? So I guess they mean like people mm -hmm. who are very pushy and aggressive about like, hey, hey, I'm going to stream your game. I want to do those things. So what is your, what is your experience on that? Honestly, we... I, I, I think community managers probably get more just because company emails aren't necessarily widely available everywhere. So community managers probably get more, a lot more of that. Some we do, I do get a lot of emails from content creators and to be fair, I think I like it. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying spam my, spam my inbox, but we do get a lot. I think the, the, I think the right approach is to not, to not be, not to expect, 
expect anything when you're doing cold reach outs to to companies and to influencer managers just because you don't want to be too pushy. I think sending a quick email to present yourself and to showcase what you've done in the past and to show your best content, that's a good way to actually get seen. I've discovered a lot of creators from people who have who have sent cold emails like that. But when it comes to being extra pushy, I would kind of avoid that. So I think showcasing your content is the right way to do so and not expecting anything from that. If the manager or if the team looking into these creators or these emails finds that there's there's potential value and potential uh, a potential deal that can be done, then they'll re- they'll they'll let you know. But I think cold reach outs are fine. But like I said, it's it's more so of not not expecting too much when you're when you're reaching out. So showcasing your content, that's amazing. I think that's a great way to to do these cold reach outs, providing demographics, pro- pro- providing your analytics a little bit to showcase what you're able to do, but not not having high expectations when it comes to paid deals awesome. is is definitely the way to go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, just, you know, showcase what you can do, how you can bring value and and yeah, and then if if that's interesting, you will definitely hear from from advertisers. Exactly. There's no I question mean- about that. I mean, if the content is good, we'll notice it. Uh, most of the time, if you're already co- if you're already creating content for a certain game, we've seen it. We've seen you. We're community managers are all over the place looking at content all the time. In terms of influencer marketing, I mean, my YouTube is open. 10 to 12 hours a day, right? I'm consuming content for our games all the time, consuming other content as well, seeing what's trending, seeing what creators are blowing up, have have, have high engagement, have, have uh, a lot of viewership. So more than likely, if you're creating content about a specific game, we'll, we'll know, but oh yeah. Yeah. So another one here, how do you deal with a game studio that goes to you after you feature their game? I'm sure it's never mm. game loved, but I'm curious. I'm curious about your perspective. So, and I guess there are two uh, aspects for this, right? Like one uh, variation of this is like if you actually made some kind of a deal and then the gaming company kind of stepped out. <laughs> or the other thing is if, you create, if you've been creating content for a long time and featuring the games, but still kind of like no response. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's a paid deal, then there's definitely legal action that can be done. I mean, realistically, if a company if a company goes to for after having done a paid deal, then that that's that's kind of sketchy. There's there's definitely legal options for that. So that's that's one of the ways I would go when it comes to ghosting you after content creation. I guess there's two ways of of thinking, right? So. Maybe maybe they're ghosting you on purpose. Maybe they're not ghosting you on purpose. Some studios sometimes have have less people that that work for them. They don't necessarily have the time. Sometimes they're they're over their heads. I know one of the things that happens with creator programs sometimes is companies start really big, and then they allocate they allocate resources at the start, but gradually they, they they can allocate less and less resources, and that's where creators are getting ghosted. So sometimes. And when you're a creator, you need to, to think uh, about that option as well. It, they're not necessarily doing it on purpose. So so that's something to keep in mind. And if they are doing it on purpose, I mean, I, I think it's probably not the way to go for, for the company. But when it comes to a creator, I guess, is to basically continue doing what you were doing. Either it's maybe not... Co- creating content for that specific game, but continue creating content. I guess that's, that's more of like a, a one bump in, in, in the, in the, 
the road of many bumps that you're gonna you're you're gonna experience while you're creating content. Yeah, yeah I hope that uh, that answers your question. I mean, I mean, I guess the the best way to to show to a company that's ghosting you is just to continue doing what you're doing, whether it be with another game or that game as well, uh, is showing them that that you're going to continue working and continue being consistent while creating your, your content. And that's probably the biggest slap in the face, I would say, for uh, for a company. So yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you have a great point that the capacities of each companies are, are different. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. just remember that a lot of times what feels like ghosting, like, oh, I did this thing and I didn't get an email the same day. It, it is just physically because I'm working in a similar role here at Restream and I understand that sometimes I just physically didn't have time to respond to all the messages that I received this week and I'm so sorry I feel so bad about it I promise yeah. I, I think about it every night and of course eventually I will get back to everybody just be patient give the, give people a little bit of space and it's okay to remind it's okay to say hey I sent you this information last week uh have you chance have you had a chance to have a look at this because I'm sure nobody will will yeah. feel bad about that uh, no, if it's just a friendly a reminder and a lot of times that will actually trigger the people to actually have a look at your information and be like, oh, okay, so actually let me follow up with this person. Uh, but of course, if, you, if you've done that multiple times, that maybe that's a great opportunity to move on. Uh, and just like Sean said, don't let that discourage you and change yeah. your whole direction because it should Definitely not. not. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes behind the scene as well, right? When it comes to mobile games or or other free-to-play games where where you're expecting new content at all the time, sometimes games underperform. Sometimes there's, yeah, when when games underperforms, they're, they're there's company decisions that 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 make it so there's less resources allocated, and that's when things like this happen. And it's very unfortunate because we never want to 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 stop talking to creators and stuff. And and I, I don't I don't wish that on everyone, but sometimes you need to to think in that perspective as well. And I know it's hard for a creator when you've worked so hard and you've produced content for this for these games, and then uh, something happens and, and and you get a little less support. So uh, the best way, uh, like I said, I think is is to continue doing what you're doing and show perseverance during those times. Awesome. Let's take two more questions because we have so many. Yep. And uh, one thing I like to do after the show is I actually get back and respond to some of those comments myself. Yep. Uh, and you're welcome to do that too. If there are some comments that you feel like are super related Perfect. to game. Uh, so I really like this one. This is from uh, Gamertech VR uh, from LinkedIn. And I, I think it's an interesting perspective. Uh, I think the fact that Sean was an influencer himself makes him the right guy for the role. So do you think that you have to be a streamer to manage streamers? Do you have to be an influencer yourself to be in charge of influencer products? Or is this not necessary? I think I think the biggest thing is for for a job like this is probably social skills. I would say having being open minded as well. You're dealing with a lot of a lot of different people when it comes to content creation. Not everyone's the same. Not everyone reacts the same. Not everyone talks the same. You need to be able to really adapt yourself. So I think I. I don't think being a streamer or I th it definitely adds value because you already understand the 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 the, the ecosystem, right? Being a, a content creator, you already know uh, how things work behind the ropes, and and you know how content creation works. So that's a that's an added value. But I would say the the, the most important thing is being open minded and um, and being out there. Yeah, just talking to people. I think that's the best way to 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 be in this position because you're basically. When we're when we're dealing with marketing, a lot of the time there's there's paid traditional user acquisition, right? Where you're doing Facebook ads and stuff, and that you're you're just dealing with a machine. When it comes to content creators, you're dealing with people. So either you're directly reaching out to these creators or you're reaching out through agencies. You need to be able to talk to 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 people to to manage these deals and to 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 be transparent with them and tell them what you're expecting and tell them and work with them. And I guess that's the the main aspect of 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 how getting 
how this role works. But yeah, I mean, being someone that's created content in the past, I think it's added, it's a plus value, but it's, it's, uh, it's definitely not needed for, uh, for a position like this. Awesome. And this last question, I think it's also very interesting. So how important uh, would you say influencer marketing is within broader social strategies for your games? How have you seen it grow at Gameloft? Great question. It's from Denver Bar from LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 uh, yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, uh, let me read it again. How important would you say? How important would you say influencer marketing is within the broader social strategies for the game? So, like, what is the how how big is the role of your specific um, yeah. strategies on influencers compared to other social strategies that you guys are working on? I guess it's I guess it's really important, but that comes down to different games as well, right? So, when we're doing influencer marketing usually we're trying when we're doing marketing in general and i think this applies to every single company you're trying to get a return on your ad spend right yeah whether it be getting users at the cheapest price possible on facebook and making sure you're getting that that roas goal that's the most important part right right so when it comes down to influencer marketing sometimes there's certain games where that roas goal might be too difficult to acquire because of the type of game it is so there's always certain exceptions i think there's different ways of approaching influencer marketing based on different games and i think that strategy varies based off different games as well we do have certain games where our whole influencer strategy will be based on short form content right it'll be based on Instagram stories, that's it. So I guess the, I guess what I want to say is things vary depending on games and, and strategies really depend as well. We try to incorporate influencer marketing on, on all of our games, but sometimes it only makes sense for certain of them based off of a ROAS goal and, and how we want to, to acquire new users and stuff. So yeah, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. So let's get back to uh, the, some other questions that I had for you because I had, I still had a couple that I wanted to touch base on. One question that kind of, I think is kind of cliche to us these days, but still. So earlier this year, if you asked me what I would be doing on this day, I would say I would be at E3, right? So we would be both yes, probably same. right there. <laughs> yeah, today would be the last day of the show. We'll probably be like enjoying our beer after after the end of Being the convention. Uh, exactly. But of course, the pandemic changed things. They changed how we participate in events. It changed a lot of things how we work with influencers as well. So how do you how do you see that change kind of evolving within GameLoft? I think I think right now it's a, it's slowly I mean things are slowly starting to be back to to normal what what we struggled on and I think there's there's other issues right with with everything happening in the states at the moment I think how we handled it is we we tried to not be opportunistic the gaming industry at the moment is exploding right it's getting it's getting so much traction because a lot of people are stuck at home. People are are playing games a lot more and these gaming creators are really blowing up. They're getting a lot more views on their content. So from a, from a, a, a strategy point of view or from a performance point of view, it would really make sense to do these influencer campaigns at the moment. But at the same time, what we want to do is tr- is not look opportunistic as well, right? You don't want to capitalize on a global crisis for your own means. So that was one of the things that was really important to us. uh, And we actually decided to not run 
any campaigns, I think, during this time, because there was, uh, it was really a matter for other things to be going on than, than us showcasing um, or, or, yeah, showcasing our games, basically. So we kind of, we kind of did different, we kind of tried to uh, do things differently by giving away free content in, in, in some of our games. That was our way of, of spreading the word and, and trying to, to ease out the, I guess, it's, 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 I guess it's a, weird term to say but ease out some of the the the, the pain of, of what people are going through so yeah it, it, i i guess the main thing to to take out of this is things don't necessarily change i mean when it comes to marketing in general the the whole work from home stuff is 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 fine i mean you're dealing with creators online you're talking to them online for them they're creating content at their house nothing's really changed in the space where it's changed is is how do you get that mes- messaging across without coming up opportunistic and and making sure that the the message is right and it's at it, it's done at the right time as well yeah, yeah, got you. Yeah, that's great. So I have another question for you about mobile streaming. Since most Go- Gameloft games are mobile, I was curious, what is your opinion on the state of mobile streaming these days? I mean, it, it, what's your perspective? It's a little bit more difficult to do than, than PC streaming, right? Or, or yeah. is it easier? Like, how, do you, how do you guys see that? So, so I think it's, it's getting a lot more traction now than it was in the past. There are certain games that are more prone to be streamed. One thing that, that we try to do at Gameloft is port our game on PC as well so that these creators have an easier time to stream the game from their PC instead of having to hook up devices to try to, to, to stream directly from their phone, right? Streaming from your phone for eight hours a day might not be as easy as streaming from your PC. It's, it's, very, mm-hmm. it's a very different experience. So most of our games are ported on PC, but I, we, we've seen a big, big spike, not only on our games, but on in mobile uh, streaming in general, we see it with with games like G Arena, which is one of the top five games watched on YouTube last year. It's super popular in Southeast Asia. Facebook gaming is super popular in Southeast Asia. So is mobile gaming. You see a lot, a lot, a lot of, of mobile streaming on those platforms. So I guess the market share is very different. I think Twitch is one of those platforms that's more oriented and, and, and catered to a more, I would say, core community, especially in the gaming space. Yes, they do have uh, different categories for different things outside of gaming. But when it comes to gaming, it's it's more of like a AAA PC or, or console kind of platform. Not to say that there's no mobile streaming on the platform. There are uh, a lot of mobile streamers, but it's just a very different experience. So we've seen a, a big influx, and I think we'll see even more and more streaming based off of device quality based off of game quality from 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 mobile creators yeah i think it's the i think it's the right thing to do as well because there's so many mobile gaming companies and there's so much money to be made from these creators i think streaming mobile and doing mobile content is a great way to be noticed faster than 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 doing content for triple a games like like league of legends or something where you're kind of uh, a grain of salt in the uh, in the ocean right is there something that makes the game unstreamable based on your experience i, I mean that's the easy answer would be to say yes like i guess games that have i don't know timers or stuff like that would be unstreamable but then 
it all comes down to the streamer as well, right? I think Soda Poppin is a great example of someone who can stream any single game. He can basically play any game on Steam and he'll have the same viewership as if he was playing a AAA title. So maybe to start off, it might may be harder when you're playing a game that's less popular or when you're playing a game that's 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 locked through timers or stuff when it comes to mobile games. But then again, if you have a really good personality, if you're able to entertain community, if you're out there and outgoing, then I think there's no game that's 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 unstreamable. Awesome. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I like to ask this question everybody from gaming industry because I think it's a, it's an interesting it's always interesting to hear your opinions. What do you think is the future of LinkedIn Live for gaming? So, oh. as you know, they recently started their own live thing. Uh you cannot stream directly to LinkedIn. You have to use third-party application. Restream is one of them. There are several others. Uh but what do you think? Do you think there's future for gaming on LinkedIn Live? I think I think so. I think it would be a great opportunity for for top executives to showcase what they're doing, to showcase their games, to give a perspective as well from 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 yeah, from top executives. I would I'd be curious to see our CEO playing some of our games and seeing what he likes most and I'd be curious to see Riot CEO and and Ubisoft CEO playing the game, top executives. Yeah, I think I think that's that that's maybe something that that would be interesting to see and something that that could be a, a thing on LinkedIn. It's definitely a different demographic right it's you're you're not dealing with the same type of people when 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 you're when you're you're on linkedin but i think there's definitely a lot of informative stuff that could be interesting when it comes to development as well so showcasing how 3d modeling works or showcasing how programming works in certain aspects of certain games. So yeah, I think I think it's it's definitely something that's that's undervalued probably at the moment. And and I think the first people that are that are going to start doing it consistently and adding it to their social strategy will probably see the most benefit down the yeah. line. Yeah, early adopters for sure. Um, so to close these things off, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit um, and, okay. and talk to you about something different than video games. Yeah. So prior to your video game industry um, experience, you worked as a model. Um, so <laughs> while you're not in that world anymore, so as a fashion model, right? Yeah. Uh, while yep. you're not in that world anymore professionally, I'm sure you're still thinking about you know the opportunities that live streaming provides for that industry. What is your very personal intake on that? I think we've already started seeing a lot of live streaming options happening in the in the fashion industry. So I I, I did that full time for about six to seven years. Uh, great experience. I think right now there's some companies that are that are showcasing their uh, runway shows by live streaming, and that's giving access to to people who don't normally have access to these fashion shows. Right, the the fashion industry is a very tight knit group of people. It's very I hate to say the word, but it's very elitist. And I know companies like uh, Louis Vuitton recently showcased their 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 new collections through interactive live streams, and that's really interesting. Yeah, so so I see these people giving access to 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 stuff that the I guess the, the 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 common person wouldn't necessarily have access to. If you're living in I don't know in uh, somewhere in Oklahoma or something, you don't necessarily have access to Paris Fashion Week, you know. So someone who's interested in in fashion that lives in Oklahoma or in a, a rural space will will be given a, a 
exclusive access to some of these these normally very privileged uh, privileged places. So no, I, I I see it being really cool, and I see it being a new way to to incorporate the the digital world to 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 the fashion world. Awesome, yeah, inclusion through interactive experience. Yeah, that's definitely exactly. Good yeah. stuff. Well, thank you so much, Sean. It was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for answering all the questions. And I know we have so many <laughs> more, we're just unfortunately running out of time, but it was so uh, great to chat. Yeah, it was great. It was amazing talking to you. I mean, I'll, I'll look into the questions as well, try to answer questions on the different uh, platforms that, that this was broadcasted on. But yeah, it was super fun talking to you. Always fun talking about the, the industry as well. And if I shared some insight that helped at least one person, then, then I guess this was definitely worth it. So yeah, absolutely. Let us know if you enjoyed this and yeah, and uh, we will definitely get back to some questions. So thank you so much, Sean. I'm going to thank gonna, you. Thank you, you for now. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Perfect. Bye. <laughs> All right, so this is our show for today, and I appreciate everyone showing up. A lot of great questions today. It was awesome that you guys were so active. Uh, my guest today, just a reminder, was Sean Saint Laurent. He manages influencer relations at GameLoft. It's a publishing company, and we talked about everything related to how to work with influencers, how to work with live streamers uh, within gaming industry. But a lot of examples and, and questions and answers are very relevant to any brand and any any industry, any product. Uh, so this was Friday Live, inspired by stream i will definitely see you next week at around the same time on friday thanks again for showing up and have a wonderful weekend bye